to take a lot of that stress around that whole process of, uh, of, of digital paperwork. And one of the things we're working on next is once you've done that on the network, how can you then passport that onto your next home so the next time that you're moving, how can you skip a lot of those steps and not have to redo those things? Today we're talking to prop tech firm Residently, who amongst other things are trying to ease some of the pain of renting and referencing. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry, bring you a bit of technology news, and it's all powered by the Harvey Nash Group. Morning, Akish. Only one thing to talk about this morning, to be perfectly honest. Uh, morning, and what, what, what was that? He's racking his brains, and I know that Akish went out last night and got home at midnight, which is a shame, because if he'd stayed up for another 90 minutes, not that I was up at that mm. time, we have seen um, Miss Radicadu getting through to the final of the US Open. Uh, I actually, believe it or not, I actually watched the last 15, 20 minutes of that match. Did you? Mm. Because, I'll tell you why, I got back last night, as, as you've already told people, um, got you know very drunk um, and as you do when you know when you arrive home in the early hours and you're pretty drunk you kind of stumble around and waste a lot of time and i was on go my... in the kitchen see what you can eat yeah exactly you know um as i got into into kind of bed and you know you, you're kind of putting your stuff on charge or whatever i went on twitter and i saw you know it said oh you know there was some stuff on some accounts i follow Redicanu is about to you know, make history or do this and all this sort of stuff. And I kind of looked at the time and I was like, she can't be playing now, surely. And then realized it was a US Open. I went, oh, yeah. Yeah. So <clears> then, um, yeah, I watched the last 20 minutes of it on my phone or 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. Like, who had heard of Emma Raducanu outside of tennis before Wimbledon? She did pretty well at Wimbledon, mm. but nothing to suggest she was going to have this run. It's just incredible. Very 18 good. years old and has set up the first all teenager final. Against someone who's literally about, I think she's 19, isn't she, Fernandez? Yeah. But the all, all first all-teenager final since Williams and Hingis in like 1999, apparently. Mm. Which is very, very Amazing. decent. I, I reckon she's good. she's favourite, isn't she? She'll, she'll win. I don't know. I mean, surely. Well, it's difficult, right? They're both they're both having sensational runs. <clears throat> apparently, the last time they met, I don't, I don't know whether, I think it was a juniors tournament. Right, yeah. But Radakanu won it in straight sets. She's like ranked 150th in the world at the minute. And I think Fernandez is like 79th. But oh. then because of the pandemic, like Emma Radicadu's basically not played for a couple of years. Mm. <clears throat> not any tournaments and stuff. So it's really hard to read into that, mm. isn't it? I mean, the fact that she's got to the final and blown away the Olympic champion, the 17th seed, she hasn't dropped a set. It's like, well, she's clearly not world 150. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just bought everyone you know, kind of on the equal stage, really. But it's decent. It is very, very good, isn't it? It's amazing. When's the last it's time amazing. A, when's the last time a female a British female won a Grand Slam? I don't know about one, but the last time that one was in a final was apparently seventy seven. Okay. Oh well, there we go. Hopefully, so hopefully. it's it's going back. It's going back. It is going back. Hopefully a bit of history this weekend, <clears> eh? I mate, I look the, I love Wimbledon, like mm. most people. Like and I, I love the Grand Slams and I'll often watch the latter stages of the Aussie and the French and, and the US Open and do watch quite a lot of Wimbledon. And it's been brilliant having Andy Murray over the years to get behind. But you kind of thought, oh, Murray's injuries are piling up. He's not going deep in tournaments. Like, yeah. where's the British interest? Mm. And out of nowhere, now, now it looks like maybe we've got someone that you can get behind and cheer for the next the next decade or so, perhaps. We hope so. We hope so. And it'll be good. Fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> right. Anyway, all that is neither here nor there because it's got bugger all to do with technology. So every, sorry, everyone, but that's that's two proud Brits getting excited about a British teenager. But we will get on to Residently now, who are our mm. guests for today's show. We'll hand over to the interview and uh, afterwards we'll have some thoughts on it. Joining me today, I'm talking to Sharek from Residently. Before we get into anything else, Sharek, uh, what is what is your job title? What do you do for Residently? Cool. Well, uh, I suppose in startups, you know, you, you can always have made up names, but your title is VP and, and general manager of the UK for, for Residently. I'm looking after uh, basically all things on, on the business side, uh, so everything from uh, sales, operations, uh, marketing. Uh, and, and strategy and analytics to, to help us create better experiences for renters. And if I'm right, forgive me, this is, you've been there, what, coming up for nearly two years now? Coming up to two years now, yes. And prior to that, you've worked at a, uh, well, you've got a track record when it comes to startups. You were, you were at Uber before that. Yeah, so right, right before this, I was at Uber and Uber Eats for, for close to four years uh yeah it was a super super cool time particularly on on uber eats uh it was just when i when i moved into the team had just launched in, in the uk and over that time period we launched across you know 100 towns and cities uh across the uk and was part of a, a team that had phenomenal phenomenal growth in the uk so plenty of experience that you can bring to the table in your current role and, and kind of heritage in the sector uh certainly in terms of startups and that growth piece yeah. What is the company that you're bringing that to? Who who are Residently for anyone who's not familiar? Cool, great. So Residently is building a, a fully integrated end-to-end rental marketplace that unlocks the freedom of renting. Uh, it covers everything from digital applications to living in your home and managing home services, and then helps you find your next home as well. And all of that delivered uh, through a great digital experience and an app uh, that's both iOS and Android with which you can do that. We're currently live in or uh, 5,000 homes in, in the UK and, and, and scaling uh, and, and hopefully post our Series A round, also planning a, a wider launch in, in, in the US. So exciting early days for us, but uh, you know we've, we've made uh, a lot of progress and excited to tell you more through this podcast and what we're working on. So look, let, let's um, let's try and give this a practical edge. I I am thirty six years old. I'm thirty seven uh, this December, and I have just bought my first house. I am probably typical of generation rent, you know, white collar professional. And yet, over the course of thirteen or fourteen years, I think I had nine different rental properties. Yeah, right. And my experience was generally well varied it, it was a mixture of moving because i wanted to and sometimes moving because i was told that the property i was in was getting sold but it yeah. was normally a bit of a panic um rather than a, a relaxed process and often i just went on the biggest site and app that i won't mention in name but probably everyone's familiar with and just went christ what do i find and it was it was horrible yeah. and it was you know so how how are you practically trying to fix that process for people like me that generation uh rent person who is yeah. i suppose in in a place for no more than maybe two three years and then moving on again yeah great great question um so those are the people we're exactly trying to solve for and you know that group of people is is growing every year more and more people are renting and for longer um so the way we're doing that i, I would say maybe i'll talk you through what we're doing today and then what are some of the exciting things we're working on that, that's going to come 
come uh, and be built over the next couple of years. So today, what Recently has already solved for, uh, if you start from the point of securing your home, so whenever you're uh, looking to move uh, into a property, you have to go through this whole painful process of paperwork and, and referencing. Yep. Um, and, you know, just even a couple of years ago, a lot of that was still actual physical paper. You had to sign and lots of documents you need to take over to your estate agent, get those signed off. You've created a really seamless uh, digital paperwork process that, you know, if you have everything that you need, you could complete in as little as 10 minutes. Uh, everything is online and seamless. Uh, you know, if there's anything that's, you know, extra required, you get notifications and you can, you know, seamlessly move through that journey, you know, exactly where you are So take a lot of that stress around that whole process of, uh, of, of digital paperwork. And one of the things we're working on next is once you've done that on the network, how can you then passport that onto your next home? So the next time that you're moving, how can you skip a lot of those steps and not have to redo those things? Because every time now when you move, even, even though you, you, you did did this to, to take a home and you're a perfectly trustworthy person, you have to again go through all of that hassle again. So that's like one of the things we've already developed around how, how do you make it like seamless to, to, to move into a home and then complete all of, all of that digital paperwork. Then the next kind of pain point is every time you move, you have to go and set up these home services from your Wi-Fi to your utilities. Um, and we make it really easy to, again, buy those things through our app and get them set up so that by the time you're moving in, those things are in place and then manage from uh, you know one one app rather than having to go and, and, and manage multiple different accounts to do that. Uh, and then uh, another uh, 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 big pain point is uh, furniture. So if you're looking to rent uh, you know an unfurnished uh, property uh, right now today, if you're a millennial, you you typically don't own furniture. So again, historically you would have probably just accepted maybe any 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 furniture the landlord had there, whatever, whatever was their taste, uh, you just kind of like accept it. And that, that was the norm. We're enabling uh, through, through, through partnerships, uh, the ability for renters to, to, to rent furniture uh, that better suits their lifestyle needs. And then they'll be able to, you know, swap, swap those around as, as, as time goes on. So again, flexible furniture needs, which again, makes it easier for landlords as well. So they don't need to worry about having to furnish their place and impose their tastes on others. And giving that flexibility and freedom to renters if they want it unfurnished, they can take it. Or if they if they if they, if they want it furnished, they can take it through to our partners who are who are able to deliver it through us. And and by being connected to both supply and and the renter, we enable those transactions to happen more smoothly. Yeah, I was, was going to say in terms of kind of spreading the word, is is it almost that you're B to C to B rather than B to B to C? If that makes much sense, because it sounds almost like you're a digital lettings management company apart from that last piece yeah um, so great question uh, in terms of like how we're uh, currently going to market so uh our approach today currently is still b2b2c so uh, just to explain so so this great digital customer experience that we built uh what we have realized the best way for us to impact and create a better experience for more people is through partnerships so a lot of tech companies you know, come in and they see, uh, you know, a market opportunity rental, again, two trillion opportunity, broken customer experience, no brand loyalty, ripe for disruption. Uh, you know, in other industries, they're taking the approach of like, you know, one, one company is going to win all and they replace everyone. They replace all property managers and agents. And some companies are trying to do that. We have taken a partnership approach where we know agents and property managers that built relations with landlords. They, they know a lot of things around compliance and they've been in that space. We're de- we've developed this 
you know, this whole platform and we're giving it away for free at the moment to, to those partners so they can deploy this customer experience layer to, to renters. So renters can use the app, property managers can continue to doing their property management. Uh, we built, we built an interface for them as well to help, 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 help manage this lettings process. But we're, we're not a property manager. We're not an agent. We're, mm. we're, we've developed the, the platform so that, you know, on both sides of the marketplace, both uh, the supply side as well as renters can benefit from this better experience. And sorry, you said you're giving this away for free at the moment um, to lettings companies. Yeah. Where's the commercial model? Is it, is it that the, the consumer pays a, a, a subscription? Or? Yeah, great, great question. So the, uh, the commercial model today is uh, renters, when they're going through this you know, lettings process, uh, at the point of need, we're able to merchandise services. So if they're you know, taking a uh, furniture rental or, you know, you know, buying utilities, we get a uh, commission from those service providers. And so because we're able to merchandise at exact point of need, you don't need to go market to them on Google search. They're literally telling you that they're moving into that home and using your process to do so. So you're able to merchandise those services and uh, uh, we get commission back from, from our partners. In the future, the, the next exciting thing that we're building around connecting these rent, uh, these network of properties on, on our platform is when you're moving from one property to the next, and that's happening within our network, that there will be uh, uh, a network fee paid, uh, paid for by the supply side. The value that we, we will be able to create, and I can talk you through the, the product that we're developing, will essentially make it a lot more easier for people to, to move from one property to the next, uh, also move well ahead of time. You talked about the stress of like moving uh, when you're in a property, you only do that at the end of your lease. Uh, and, um, you know, you, you have to then go find another property just to, that's available on the market exactly at that two months. What we're trying to develop is what if, uh, you know, I'm living in a home. I knew that I maybe wanted to leave in a couple of months. And, you know, I want to look at properties available, you know, further in the future. And you have people on that other side who are also looking to move and who, who, who know that they, they would like to do so, but currently don't have a way to, you know, get out of their lease because they're, they're stuck into that. So how can we connect folks who are, who, are, who, are, who are wanting to move around, move to another home, do that well ahead of time and connect them with other folks who are maybe looking to, you know, leave their home? And, and create and make it much more easy to, to have those transactions. Um, and, and, and that'll create a marketplace where, uh, you know, you are, you are in flexible, you, you have the flexibility in your leases because you're not tied down because you know through the service, you can connect with other tenants who might be able to take your place. And so as a, as a renter, you're no longer thinking about your behavior in that one property, you're part of a network and you're gonna be renting homes one after the other on the same network. And so you'll cooperate with the existing coming person coming in we're developing features around, you know, existing renters writing reviews of other properties, even maybe taking photos of other property, helping coordinate viewings. Again, all of those things would take costs out of the system. All those things mm -hmm. you have to do today, and it's really difficult. And if you've, you know, been living in a property where an agent is then coming, trying to come and do some of those things, it's really annoying as a renter, and you you don't want to cooperate. And what ultimately ends up happening is um, properties uh, don't get filled. Uh, when an existing tenant is in there and then the property becomes void and then, okay, you can, you can get it filled. So there's a lot of cost of void, a lot of hassle for renters. It's, it's a really poor experience today. So we're really trying to change that by making, changing the dynamics of renting from this like one transaction at a time to thinking about 
hey, I rent long-term on a network. I'm going to behave differently. I'm going to act as a long-term participant. And then instead of a system that's designed for the bad actor, so instead, you know, everything is designed on the one person who's going to default out of 100, you have a network that's more you know, trusting uh, and pe people behave differently. So, so we're really trying to change the dynamics of that. And those are some of the exciting next products we're developing around how do we, how do we connect this network and how do we enable seamless moves uh, for folks. From an experience point of view, just how valuable was that time at Uber Eats? Because I suppose you're in that market where you are, I know that you're saying that you're not going in to disrupt, but you're working with the industry rather than necessarily disrupting it. But yeah. I suppose the same could be said of, of an Uber Eats or a Deliveroo where they're working with restaurants, but they're yeah. also providing a service to a customer. So they've got, you know, you haven't just got one customer and you're not just solving one problem. You know, when you talk to startups, often they are talking about solving a particular issue. You're yeah. solving a number of issues. So yeah. when it comes to the product development, yeah, how much does that obviously then lend into what you've done previously? Yeah, that's super. Uh, great question, uh, and, and I think it was a really, really good experience. I think um, uh, uh, I, I think a lot of the things, the way we did at Uber, we're we're applying a lot of those learnings uh, at uh, at Preston. Be quite privileged. We've also uh, had some more hires who've also come from Uber and. You know, a lot of the team has also come from, you know, Tom Allison, our founder, uh, you know, his previous startup, Shuffle, which got acquired by eBay. A lot of that crew is also here as well. So some really good talent from top, top companies. My learnings from Uber were really around uh, working iteratively and with real customers and with ops teams who, uh, who really understand deep process and are analytical and really building around that. So rather than building theoretical product and then launching it in the marketplace, really putting, working with pilot customers, iterating product around them, having ops teams who are autonomous can use data uh, and, and, and really build. Sometimes we would build pretty highly scaled solutions outside of the product team first within operations, launch them using you know, tools like Google Sheets and Jira and you know, you know, automations. It's not fully a, a you know a product as you would call it, but those learnings would then go into the engineering teams and product teams who would then utilize the learnings of how we have actually executed processes in the real world, and then build product to you know take that experience to the next level and make it smooth and seamless. And we're we're really doing that at Resonly as well, where you know we're we're, we're we haven't made it a mission to sign unlimited partners at this stage. We've you know, we've uh, taken on a you know, set of really good innovative partners who want to work with us to develop out this product and value good experiences and building the product and iterating around them. So I think that iterative mentality, um, that breaking down problems uh, and, and working in the real world with, you know, and building those operation teams who, who can build process so that product teams can learn from those things uh, was something that I really took from Uber. And you'd be surprised, I think Uber kept uh, like we were always told, like you know, the ops teams are always temporary, but we ended up hiring having more than ten thousand ops people at Uber. So um, I, I think that some of those learnings I've, I've taken interestingly, and, and you know, definitely value uh, trying before you build. Uh, um, and, and and so that iterative approach is something that I'm really passionate about. So look, as, as a last quick question, let's let's stick on that theme of of learnings and, and try and get some, some advice from you because there are probably a lot of people that would love the idea of leading a growing scale-up business. Yeah. And and that GM role for yeah. a, a growth company is yeah. an increasing 
uh, one to see in the market. Yeah. What what do you think are the main attributes that make someone good when steering a business through this this period of rapid growth, where the culture's changing, yeah. where the product's developing constantly, where you know your customer needs are so fluid? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So uh, yeah, I think the GMOs are, are 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 very interesting. I've been really enjoying it. Um, I think number one uh, is I think you have to understand like when you and you take on a GM role and and you know probably in your career you haven't managed to do like every single version of the role in the past. So like in, take take in my case, I hadn't managed a marketing team before. So now you know uh, you know as a general manager, you're looking at marketing as well. I, I think that my my key learning has been uh, that every function. Ultimately, it's about problem solving. So if you think about it like that, that, you know, how can you apply that problem solving mindset uh, and try to break down problems into what it is that you're solving for? So in marketing, okay, you know, some people need to oh, you have to know brand, you have to be a creative person, you have to be able to like maybe draw things. But ultimately it's about, okay, we need to acquire users or, you know, customers, we need to communicate a message. And so, you know, how, how can you break things down into simpler problems really helps you. Second, as a general manager, is you have to rely on your team. So I think building a really great team of people that you can trust who maybe have that functional expertise. So I'm, I'm really privileged in, in my teams that have a great head of sales, a great head of marketing, uh, uh, some great operation leaders that have also managed to, to, to hire Uber, ex-Uber. Uh, and so building a really great team and investing a lot of time. So I make sure that I'm uh, ultimately in every hiring panel uh, and uh, can really help them help shape the you know that cultural bar and make sure that we're hiring uh, really well and then giving people that trust uh, mm-hmm. and letting those functional leaders who really know their stuff the freedom to do their best job and I work with them on uh, aligning on strategy and giving them the resources that they need to succeed. So I think as a startup leader, it's also about when you move into GM role. Um, a little bit about letting go as well because maybe in in yeah. a previous role when I was more an ops leader, you know, I would be a lot more hands-on, want to take every decision myself. It's it's how you then let go of those decisions, build that team that you can trust uh, and give them the freedom and space to, to go and do what uh, they're really good at. And it's obviously easier said than done, but I think that I think that's really important. Uh, three, I think, is really setting that um, that cultural tone and uh, being available for your uh, team uh, when they need you to like double take and help them help them problem solve. So I think, if, you know, recently I think you've created a really good culture of you know of of, of trust of you know you uh, you know we're trying to innovate and do things that hasn't been and done before. Uh, so there will be some things that don't go right. So how do you create that you know that you know remove that fear of failure, give them that space. Uh, while making sure that we continue to learn and iterate and 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 develop, uh, and when you're in the growth phase, again, sometimes you know, despite all those things, there will be those mistakes. How do we just keep making sure that one of the big lessons from Uber was playbook everything? The way that Uber scaled so fast was because every you know GM in every city didn't try to reinvent the wheel every time. You know, you've learned okay, this tactic has worked in London. Let's try this in New York. And so, what can we do about making sure that we learn to playbook document? share learnings, be transparent and open so that we can continue to, you know, develop and move forward. We're not looking back. We continue to look forward and, and build, build, build on the learnings. Yeah. I, I would say like those are maybe some of the things that jump top of mind to, 
how do you succeed in the GM role? Of course, every every business is, is different, but some of, of those have worked uh, worked really well for for me, and uh, you continue to learn every day. Well, look, Sherek, it's it's obvious that you you are enjoying it, and I hope you continue to learn every day, like you just said. Um, but thank you for your time on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Right, Keish, you're a homeowner, mm. but how long did you rent for previously? Uh, have you ever rented? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, rented whilst I was at university, so that's for three years, um, and then or two years, obviously your first year. Well, yeah, three years, right? You're still renting off, yeah. yeah. And the then university, yeah, exactly. Yeah, then yeah. moved back home, so I wasn't renting. I was, according to my mum, I was always a, a, a lodger or a tenant. Apparently, I never lived there as if it was my own house. Um, about four years, I'd say three, yeah. three, four years, yeah, yeah, something like that. It's it's amazing, isn't it? How backward, in particular, letting processes are. Mm. Like I think I mentioned in the interview, how many years I've rented in it. I rented in London for you know, I I, I had like multiple properties, and every single time. Um, having to prove yourself from a financial point of view, from a from a from a references point of view, from a, you know just the amount of paperwork, repeat paperwork that is unnecessary because companies refuse to talk to each other. Mm. Like, it, as someone who has rented in London, you you cry out for a service like like Residentally are offering. Mm. It's very true because. And also because there's so many people out there who unfortunately have made a business of of kind of ripping people off and consumers oh, yeah. and, you know, students or those that have just moved to the, the, the country or the city and all this sort of thing. You just kind of want there to be a bit of regulation, something to actually have one platform for everything and it's just done. You know, it, it is just done. For yeah. Um, well, and I mean... You, you, you hit the nail on the head when you, you say like rip off like how letting agencies have gotten away and I know we're focusing on letting agencies mm. but it's the bit where it's the real kind of pain of repeat mm. um, how they get away with charging you like 400 quid I think that's been stopped in the last couple of years but they used to charge you like 400 quid for drawing up contracts it's like yeah. it's a template yeah. online yeah. like yeah. where are you getting these numbers from you're just doing it because you can mm. yeah I think it was like the admin costs I think they used to call it for like um you know yeah to draw up contracts and a tenancy and stuff which by law they can't charge anymore but no it's good yeah exactly but i think i think it's just like when you are renting and and you're moving and a lot of the times you know sometimes in these situations there are maybe two people you know a couple that are living together for the first time and they'll be entering Mm -hmm. an agreement and stuff together for the first time and i think it's just you just can't relax. It's just so much like, you know, things to do and, and kind of sort out. And then, you know, apart from when you've just got your house, like they mentioned in the interviews, like furniture, it's like, you know, storage stuff. It's, set, it's you know, setting up your um, gas, electricity, uh, council tax, yeah. you know, these sorts of things. It's just so many things that you don't really realize um, that these, you know, this platform can help with which I think is very, very good. Like, it's just easy. Yeah, and look, I, I I have fallen foul in the past of missing paperwork with regards to utility suppliers and ending up with late payment and defaults and stuff on accounts just because you, you move and it's like, 
who the energy supplier um, mm. has that account been closed down properly? Has this account been opened up properly? And yeah. uh, five years or so ago, I ended up with, I, I, I managed to somehow miss a council tax bill, which yeah. was colossal. And then, and then that kind of stuff follows you around on a credit file and yeah. makes it hard for you to then, you know, buy a house further down the line. Mm. Uh, and that, that was, that was pretty stressful, you know, mm. financially kind of to have that looming and going, Oh God, right. Okay. Yeah. There's that, there's that kind of, it wasn't a default, but that late payment on, on, on your credit file and stuff that immediately hampers your future potential of what, you know, what, what you might be able to buy and so, so on. So anyone that comes along and strips out the friction from that process and makes it easier is surely onto a winner. And, and I love the way that they're not trying to um, come in and disrupt the industry mm. per se, they're coming in and they're partnering mm. with organizations and they're talking about the fact that, you know, you should delight your renters, that you should gain insights from across their journeys, you know, that you should push services faster. Mm. They're, they're talking about it very much from a point of view of, um, you know, the, the, we're, we're making it easier for you to, to make it a better journey for mm. your customers and, and, that's what it needs. It needs that. I think it needs that kind of adoption and that kind of strategy mm. to really pro proliferate and and be something that is that is adopted more widely. Mm. No, exactly. And I think it's that partner thing is key, right? Because the industry, i.e., property or rentals or whatever. I mean, it's it's very very old, right? People have been doing it for years, um, you know. And I don't think. I mean, unless you incorporate some sort of a smart house that has these things already done or something, I don't really know how you can disrupt the industry, so to speak, um, in terms of like the lettings industry. But I think what they're doing is, like you said, and like they said in the interview, is actually being that kind of partner, just helping merge things together and making the overall experience better. Um I think it's great to be honest and and especially now given the pandemic i think there's going to be a lot more people kind of moving to other parts there'll probably be people coming back into bigger cities because of work and you know kind of things um starting up again um so to speak so i think it would be i think it would be great like to actually see what the next few months kind of look like um yeah with residently and, and kind of what happens and with you know guys like um Guys who have experienced in Uber and Uber Eats and these sorts of things—I mean, they ain't too, doing too badly at the moment, are they? So, you know, no. it should be—it should be a good time for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, um, Sharek, thank you for coming on and being our guest. Super interesting, super topical, obviously, with the market being the way that it is. So, we appreciate that. Stick with us whilst we're going to have a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of our former guests who are doing rather well. Thank you very much. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. 
You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, uh, so this is an article in TechCrunch, but you could have seen it in The Telegraph, I think, maybe The Times. It got kind of picked up by the media quite widely. Food sharing app Olio has raised $43 million Series B as the world switches on to the food waste crisis. Tessa Clark, one half of the founding team behind Olio, has been on this podcast twice, Mm. first time around several years ago, uh, talking about the proposition. So to be perfectly honest... It's amazing to see them making the news and and have had, having had such a successful Series B raise and now setting their sights on international markets. Mate, it's, that's double decent, isn't it? Like, really decent. And also... Double decent. Double decent. Um, There's our on. expert insight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's my country. Double decent. I'm just having a look at their website, right? Um and they've got like a, a counter thing at the bottom where it says like how many portions of food that they've shared, like the users, the liters of water saved. I uh, it is in terms of the idea and the concept, is it's you know, it's it's simple. It's oh, it's brilliant. Allowing yeah. you know you everyone has things. stuff in their fridge yeah. that they're probably not gonna use, but yeah. their neighbours, their local community yeah. may well take take off their hands and if you think about how unfortunately during the last couple of years for various different reasons brexit pandemic other bits and pieces food banks have become so important to people Mm. um this is this is an opportunity to make sure that people who who have plenty don't waste it and Mm. that people who don't have as much you know can access it you know food sell by dates on super like stuff on supermarket sell by dates is rubbish anyway yeah Food is quite often fine for a few days after it. Yeah. Um, but people are incredibly wasteful. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, like you say, if you look on the website, I mean, lots of stats on there, but Clark, Tessa Clark is, is a farmer's daughter. She couldn't stand seeing food go to waste as a consequence. Um, they now have over 5 million users on the app who shared 25 million portions of food, which is equivalent to taking 75 million car miles off the road that is ridiculous when you think about it in those terms so half of all the food added up on the app is requested um half of all food added to the app rather is requested within 21 minutes of posting so if you've got yeah stuff going to waste you put it on the app some like people people will use it in 20 minutes and turn it into good decent meals yeah and and i think i think it's literally just like it it's the whole community feel as well because it's because we've all been locked up in our own houses and bubbles and all that sort of thing mate like something like this it it just gives that old school community feel which i think your parents and definitely my parents back in the day they were used to just you know popping over to the neighbors going oh you know do you want this or it'd be a friends and family and stuff and all that sort of thing where i think now in the pandemic it's probably less so um you know, you're not having that kind of community touch point, but just having an app that does something so simple, but helps millions and can really change not just people's lives, but I guess can also have a very, very, very good and positive impact on the world in terms of, you know, um, energy and, and kind of sustainability and all that sort of stuff. I think it's great. Like, yeah, definitely something we need to, you know, we need to have and good on them for securing that funding actually. So 
yeah, we look forward to, I guess, hearing what they've got next. Yeah, well, I'll try and see whether or not we can tempt Tessa back onto the podcast <laughs> or something. Hello, third time lucky. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. Talk to us uh, about yeah, your no, funding. No, no. <laughs> amazing, it's amazing. So, well done to them. Um, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will be back soon. I don't-